but uh, thank y'all very much for, for being here. Uh, those that are here in person and, and online. As you can tell, we're doing things a little bit different this morning. We're going to have a, a panel discussion on a topic that uh, we don't talk about very much in church, and that's about being single, the single Christian. This became kind of a, a stark awareness to me a short time ago. I was uh, looking at a, a list of church members. Uh, we divide up the congregation into little groups uh, under each shepherd so we can kind of keep up with them. And I was looking at my list and I noticed like every third name was a single family unit. And, and actually it was over, over a third. Come to find out that nationwide in Christendom among all the churches, 35% of family units in churches are singles. And I was curious, I asked Catherine uh, Morrow to check about this congregation, she's wonderful. And sure enough, this congregation doesn't have quite that percentage, but about 26%, over a fourth of our members in this congregation are single. So obviously this topic has a considerable personal interest to a lot of our, our people that, that attend church here. Now single people have a lot of different experiences. For instance, there's a lot of age differences being single at 20 is quite a bit different from being single at 30 or 40 or 70. And there's circumstantial differences. Some have never been married. Others are divorced. We have widows and widowers. And there's experiential differences. Some are single, have never wanted to be married. They're basically content and happy. And others long to be married and somewhat feel frustrated about it. But what does the Bible say about being single? And so for those of you that are married, endure this part because I want to talk to the singles. I want to talk to that 26% of our congregation that have to endure it when we have all those sermons about being married. In seminars about marriedness, etc., well, now I'm going to talk to the singles. Because I believe that God has a lot to say about it, and I want to look at just three quick points about singleness among his followers. First of all, singleness is a gift. It's a gift from God. What I mean by that is so much of our society and sometimes even in our churches, they're structured around couples. It's just often assumed that adults are going to have a partner. And there's something rather odd about you if you go for some time and you don't have a partner. Now there's nothing new about this negative view of celibacy. Back in the first century, Rabbi Eleazar said this, a man who has no wife is no proper man. The Talmud goes even further. I couldn't believe when I read this. Any man, oh, excuse me. The man who is not married at 20 is living in sin. 
given that background, it's astonishing to see what a positive spin the New Testament says about being single. 1 Corinthians 7.7, it says, I wish that all of you were as I am, talking about married and being single, which he was single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, one has that. But Paul referred to singleness as a gift. And even Jesus says in Matthew 19, 11, for whom not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. Again, talking about singleness, that singleness is a gift. A friend of mine once belonged to a young adult church group. But they were focused on the majority of the group, which was couples. So much so, he said, I think they need to rename this group Pairs and Spares. (laughs) But it's true, single people can sometimes be made to feel like spare parts in their families, in social groups, and even in churches. We must resist the implication that singleness is second best. The Bible doesn't say so. It says marriage is good, but it also says singleness is good. It's a gift given to some. There's a commercial on Christian radio. I'm not going to mention which station. It doesn't matter. Advertising a workshop on how to find a husband within 12 months. It said this, let us show you why marriage is God's plan for you and why God wants you married. This is prevalent in the Christian community. If you're a believer, then you should be married. That's God's only plan. And if you're single, then somehow you're not following God's plan. Many singles already struggle with feelings discouraged about being single, asking themselves, what's wrong with me that I haven't found someone? So hearing these things from the Christian community can be hurtful and tends to lead to feelings that maybe I don't belong to the body of believers. The second point I want to make is singleness has its advantages, according to Scripture. Paul mentions two very distinct advantages in 1 Corinthians 7. First of all, he says single people are spared the troubles of marriage. But if you married, you have not sinned, and if, you're, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. Yes, there are many blessings in marriage, but there are difficulties too. Understandably, Christian couples don't often talk openly in front of everybody about the troubles of marriage and the struggles that that they're having. And consequently, sometimes singles can get a rose-tinted view of marriage. Everybody seems to be doing wonderful in it, as far as I know. But there's a downside, even when a married couple has a great relationship, life is more complicated. There's more than one person to consider in decisions about use of time, about holidays, accommodations, or even just the daily menu. And there's more than one person to worry about. Yes, 
Children are a great blessing and provide a lot of pleasure, but they provide a lot of anxiety too. Marriage does bring many troubles in this life, Paul says, and I want to spare you this. And the second thing he says about single people is that they can devote themselves more fully to God's work. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. A vital part of Christian responsibility of married persons, yes, is to care for their spouse and their children. They should take time, time, however, therefore, that cannot be spent in witnessing to other people, helping out at a camp, doing the church finances, or leading a Bible study. Single people have more time to give to such things. And the last point I want to make that I believe Scripture says, singleness is not permanent. Many who are presently single one day will marry. Others will remain single throughout their lives. But no Christian is single forever. Human marriage, listen to this, human marriage reflects the marriage God wants to enjoy one day between him and his people forever. The Bible speaks of Jesus as a bridegroom who will one day return to take his bride the church, to be with him in a perfect new creation. On that day, all pain will disappear, including the pain of a difficult marriage or singleness. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and a great joy, a great shout of joy will be heard. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Revelation 7 and 19. I've asked a panel to come and be with me today and to share some thoughts that I think might prove to be enlightening. But before I get to them, I'm going to start with Elaine in just a moment. But before I get to them, I interviewed a lot of people in this congregation, singles, and they shared a lot of their thoughts and experiences. And so to set up Elena, she's going to go first. I wanted to share a couple that I found uh, very enlightening. One lady, young lady, she's in her late, probably I think, I don't even want to say, I'm going to get it wrong, late 30s maybe, early 40s. She looks, she looks 20 if you're listening. <clears throat> But she recounted a couple, of, a couple of incidences, a couple of stories. Not this church, but she said, when I first moved here to Franklin, I visited around some different churches. In one particular church, I introduced myself, and the lady who I was talking to asked, he said, by the way, are you married? And she said, no. And the lady responded, oh, you poor thing. Or later, she was visiting a life group, and the life group found out that she was single, and the response was, oh, we got to fix that. 
and here at 4th Avenue, sitting in a particular section, and we, we're creatures of habit. She was sitting in the same pew week after week, and the lady sitting next to her was also sitting there week after week. And they never really spoke other than say, hi, good morning, how are you today? And after about the fourth or fifth week, the lady leaned over next to her as service was closing, closing, and she said, my son's here, by the way. You're both single. It'd be nice if we could get you together. She said, talk about awkward. She knew nothing about me other than I attend church and I'm single. So naturally, you should be with my son. Now she realizes these people have no ill will towards her and they did not mean their comments to be hurtful or to make her uncomfortable. But if you're a certain age and you've never been married, then there must be something wrong with you. You're a poor thing. Your situation needs to be fixed. When you think about a stereotypical single you think of Elena. Everybody look at this specimen of a single person. <laughs> Elena Stockstill is just a sweet, sweet, sweet soul. Single, never been married. Young professional, successful, enjoys travel. She's what you think about. After her, we're going to hear from Joe. Joe Norman, the uh, ugly between the pretty sandwich there. And then Connie, Connie Taylor will, will share a little bit. But I'm going to start off with, if I could, I'm going to start off with Elena. I'm just curious, you know, what I was reading about from some of the other singles here that aren't up here this morning, but mentioned some of their experiences. Has that ever happened to you? Absolutely. Um, I'm fairly confident in saying that. If you have made it into your 30s and you're single, um, these experiences have happened to you multiple times. Um, it's been a pretty common occurrence in the church for me, Basic, basically since I graduated college and some a little even before that. Um, one of the significant times, though, that sticks out in my mind um, for a little backstory, it was, it was a few years ago, and I was in a place where I was talking to a lot of people and having a lot of conversations about um, the different aspects of God that we have trouble relating to. And so some people were saying, oh, I have more trouble relating to God the Father because my earthly father mistreated me, things like that. So um, I started asking the Lord, like, what aspect of God I had trouble relating to? And I heard Jesus the bridegroom. And um, I pretty frequently started praying and asking God for him to open that connection for me. And um, within a few months, I was having some morning prayer time and I ended up having this beautiful vision um, of Jesus coming in and basically just holding me while I listened to his heartbeat and his chest. And it was just this beautiful time of intimacy um, with Jesus and literally this time of like I was falling in love with him and shortly after that I came to church and I had one of those conversations of oh you poor thing you don't have a husband and <laughs> just reflecting on that 
it made me realize um, what we can miss out on when we come to each other making assumptions. And um, for me and for anyone who's single, I think um, one of the more important things to do is come with questions. So don't, first of all, don't maybe assume I want to be married. Um, ask if that's even my desire. Um, it does happen to be my desire, but some of my friends, some of my single friends, they don't desire marriage. Um, so that's a great place to start. And then I think almost more importantly, when we're coming to each other, instead of focusing on what we may think some, someone is lacking in their life, um, we maybe ask the question, what, what is filling your life right now? And I think that's a great place to start. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Joe, Joe you are a, a different uh, specimen of single. You are single, but you are divorced. And as we talked, um, you said you were okay with, with sharing just a bit. Um, your divorce, like most all divorces, was, was painful. But you'd mentioned there were some people here at Fourth Avenue that surrounded you and came to you. Um, can you, for the extent that you feel comfortable, can you explain some of your experiences, who helped you, and how? Sure, Chris. So, as you mentioned, I, I was in a lot of pain, and maybe denial. Um, I was still bargaining with God, and I was depressed. Uh, and I had been attending, just a quick history, I had been attending the Family of God at Woodmont Hills with Rubel Shelley and John York. And I had bought a condo right down the street, and I didn't know anyone at 4th Avenue. I didn't have any plans on coming to 4th Avenue. But one morning, the Holy Spirit pulled me in this parking lot, and I walked in, and uh, Marsha Carnahan was there. You know, sometimes people say things to you, and it's God, it's the Holy Spirit. And she looked at me when I walked in that door, and she said, Joe, we're all broken here, and we love you, and we're glad you're here. She didn't say, are you carrying any baggage? If so, you better turn around and go right back out that door. You know, she accepted me with loving arms, and I said, hey, I can do this. I, I love this church. And ever since then, the shepherds and their wives and the staff here has treated me like family and, and helped me heal. I do want to call out a couple more names. Uh, unfortunately, they're not here. It's uh, Kurt Connor, Kyle Beals, Michael Sigmund. They always had a smile for me. They always made me feel like part of the family. And again, the shepherds and their wives and the staff always reached out to me. Uh, and the, the, you have to get plugged in, so to speak. And like Albert, uh, Dr. Lemons always says, you know, prayer, prayer matters. And, and people were telling me, I'm praying for you. And that meant so much. And when I went to the Wednesday night prayer uh, room, I started hearing women pray. I'd never heard a woman pray in my life. I grew up in a church of Christ, small church of Christ. I didn't hear a woman pray. But to hear their heart, it helped me. I dare say this, no, 
more how to pray for them and what they want and what their needs are and what what they're looking for from a man. And it's just the prayer, the transparency, people sharing their stories, it helped the, that wound heal. And, and time is the great healer. And, and you have to have a great support system and, and you have to get involved. You, you can't do it yourself. You have to get with people who have like experiences and are willing to share with you. And, and I really love Fourth Avenue. I thank all of you for, for being part of my family. Well, Joe, I want you to finish the thought, though. You had mentioned to me, and it was you said it eloquently, that when you were going through the worst of the times that people came and felt obligated to speak. Yes, there was one man in particular, and uh, it was Frank Hutton. And sometimes people help you, and I, I don't, sometimes they don't know that they're helping you, but they're helping you tremendously, either through prayer or through just showing up. You don't have to say anything. Just, just ride off in the sunset, so, so to speak, with them. Just be with them. Sometimes that unspoken word of just being with someone and, and you know that they've got your back because they told you they do, but they just show up and shut up and they support you. And sometimes a, a silent friend, a friend of few words, but they stand tall in statue can, can, be, can be so, so much of an of a anchor for you. Good, thank you. We have a third specimen on display for you this morning. We have Miss Connie here. And Miss Connie would be labeled a widow, but uh, Miss Connie doesn't like to be called by any label, widow or otherwise. And she said it better than I did. Would, Connie, why, why don't you like the label widow? I think the label takes away from who I am. And I'm the same person after he died that I was before him. And I was just hurting. But if you give me the label, then it's like you're saying I'm somebody else. And the label, a widow, I've been thinking about it so much the last several weeks, and it's been very painful. Widow to me brings that pain and heartache and sadness unless it's not a good place to be in but there is one label I like about the time everything happened a lot of songs came out with the line in it I am a child of God and we sing so many of those songs here and every time I sing that I'm like declaring to God I'm your child and you're my father. And knowing he's my father, I can cry out to him about everything. And I did. And I'm amazed at how he shows up and the things he does for me. And thinking about Jesus when I'd be hurting over different things 
I'll be praying. And maybe I pray all day about something. And all of a sudden I realized as bad as I was hurting, Jesus went through the same kind of pain only thousands of times more, and he didn't deserve any kind of pain, just glory. But I knew he knew how I was feeling, and most people would try to know how I was feeling, and they knew part of how I was feeling, but they didn't really know how I was feeling, but he did. And that was such a comfort. And then all the times we sing those songs, I am a child of God. I feel loved. And I know I'm not alone. And no matter how bad things are going on, because things life goes on, a lot of things are good and a lot of things are hard. And I wasn't used to doing everything by myself. I depended upon Larry for a lot of things. But um, I know I can depend on God. I can cry out to my Heavenly Father. And he doesn't get tired of listening. And if he does get tired of listening, there's Jesus right beside of him, and he's interceding for me too. And the Holy Spirit is inside of me, and he's interceding for me, and that's such a comfort. So, you know, he doesn't have a choice but to listen, even if he didn't want to. But um, other people who listened to my story, it was a little different. Um, I didn't want anybody. I wasn't asking people to do anything for me, except I wanted them to pray. And I knew if they heard my story, they would remember to pray. And that's all I wanted. That was so much comfort. And it allowed me to just release some of the pain and some of the fear and the anxiety. And I knew the people that were listening, they were God's children too. And that made a difference. And being called a child of God, it kind of puts you on the same level as everybody else. You know, you're the same playing field. And I don't like to be a widow or any other label, except I am a child of God. And my sister was so sweet. Anytime she would find something like a notebook or a journal or a note, just notepad that said, I am a child of God, she bought it for me because she knew what it meant. So uh, people have showed up in so many ways, and I thank God. Thank you. Elena, let's go back to you, as, um, and, I, and I have a question. Um, as you have, how long have you been a member at Forth now? think a little over five years. five years if you can think back over these last five years if we're asking ourselves how can we best support you how can we best be family to you what are some things we have done right that we need to note to self keep doing this and what are some things we've done wrong that note to self cut that out in your experience um, so I will start out with the wrong so we can end on the high note. <laughs> um, and also, please just know that, like, although some of these experiences and words have hurt, um, I know that none of this was coming from a malicious place. Um, and most of the time, it was all well-meaning. Um, so some of the things I think of 
kind of what I was saying earlier is just don't make assumptions. Um, and just saying things like, oh, but don't you want to have children? Um, that's, for me, that, like, that's a separate question anyway. Like, marriage doesn't always lead to children, so those are two separate things anyway. Um, and then also saying things like, um, I've heard this so many times, but, oh, God has someone for you right around the corner. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> if I had a husband for every time I heard that in the last 13 years, I'd be living in Utah with a bunch of husbands. <laughs> um, so, like, unless God told you that he has a husband around the corner for me, like, don't say that. It's not helpful. <laughs> um, but um, also, I think just I've gotten a lot of really bad unsolicited advice as well. Um, and it mostly comes from people who don't really know me. Um, so I've been straight up told to settle. Um, I've been told to lower my standards. Um, and this was from a couple that, um, this, this was our first conversation. This was the first time I had ever talked to them. Um, they didn't ask what my standards were. Um, they didn't know what my standards were, but they told me I needed to lower them. I guess because I wasn't married, so they were obviously too high. Um, <laughs> and then also I have been told, um, along with some other single women that are my friends, that um, we were too smart and strong and successful um, and we had good jobs. And so obviously that's too intimidating for a man to approach us and in some way we needed to lower the standards of ourselves. <laughs> Um, and I think essentially it just comes from the mindset of, oh, like you're not married, you need to be fixed. Um, but for me, like I'm not going to sit around and wait. I do desire marriage, but like I'm chasing God. And if somebody wants to run alongside me, I welcome that. But I don't need that. Um, and I think... I feel like the church as a whole, um, not necessarily even fourth, but the church as a whole sometimes gets stuck on the mindset that marriage is for everyone when that isn't necessarily true. And um, I feel like, you know, there's so many examples of marriage and imagery of marriage in the gospel. Um, but I'm actually going to quote one of my cousin's friends because I thought she just articulated this so beautifully. She said, um, marriage shows us the story of the gospel. Singleness shows its, its sufficiency. Um, and I just thought that was a beautiful truth. Um, and then on the flip side of all of that, what Fourth Avenue <laughs> has done right, um, one of the first things I think of is actually physical touch, um, which can be kind of uncomfortable to talk about, um, especially during COVID. <laughs> but... Um, before I came to Fourth Avenue, I could literally, as a single adult, go months without being hugged or touched. And when I came to Fourth, people were hugging everywhere. And they were hugging me, and it made me really uncomfortable at first. Um, but it became something, um, it filled a need I didn't even know I had. And um, it's become one of my favorite parts of the week. Um, even now, sometimes I can go throughout the week without being hugged, but I know when I walk in these doors, 
I'm gonna be hugged on and loved on, and that's really beautiful. Um, something else that Joe mentioned earlier too is just being a family. I feel like fourth is really good at being family. And um, not even just family inside these walls, but um, being invited into specific families and homes. Um, I'm gonna call out the Yinglings for a minute. Um, <laughs> just because I think this is a perfect example, but there was a day this summer that I was having a really hard time. And I was on the phone with Emily and she was like, just come to my house, like just come over. And I came over and ended up spending all day and evening with the Yingling family. And it wasn't just that like I was there, it was that I felt almost adopted as one of their own. Um, and I just got to do life with them that day. And that meant so much to me. Um, and I think there are different gifts that um, families can bring to people who are single and single people can bring to families. Um, and even just for me, that example, um, as someone who is single but does desire marriage and a family, um, being invited into my friends' homes and seeing how they're um, marriages function and seeing how their lives and children and parenting function has been a really great blessing here at Fourth. Thank you. Joe, what about you? Uh, you're single now, nobody at home. How do you get your happiness? Who gives you happiness? Mike. You have to talk into this. So it, it comes from my relationship with the Lord, as I sit before this uh, started, I was thinking, you know, you, it's not just giving a few minutes of your life on, on stage or giving two or three times a week to the Lord. It's giving every minute of every day to the Lord and, and being in prayer. And thank you, Dr. Lemons, for instilling that yearning and that loving to pray in, in my heart. And that, that gives me the peace beyond understanding. But, you know, sometimes I sit up in the balcony since COVID and I, I see the, the men and women get on the stage and I go back and I think about uh, Anthony Bills talking about family. He was reminiscing and, and it was about family. And he was talking about the sovereign Lord and, and then uh, Dean Barnum talked about uh, you matter. And then Keith Bain was talking about a man wearing a suit. You, you remember this, and he broke out of his the script that he was reading, and he was smiling. He, you could see the joy in, in him. And it's these, these, the people here are genuine, and they're transparent, and they, they, they're not doing anything for just themselves they're doing it for the Lord and, and building everyone up and it's I call it my church I find myself calling this my church you know my mom will ask me why don't you come and go to church with us this you know week down in Moore County and and I'm like mom I would love to but you know I like I love my church I have my church you know I put it's it's branded my church now I know it's all of our church but I really feel like it's my church, and uh, it keeps me coming back. Connie, I'm going to ask you a similar question about 
recommendations. You went through a, a horrific experience. What advice could you, can you give us because you have lost a spouse, other spouses are going to be lost. What can we do as brothers and sisters to somebody that loses a spouse, now single again? What advice do you have? Again, I think prayer is the most important thing and hands-on prayers. When I first told my story to a Bible study group that I've been in for years, um, they surrounded me. They were sitting on the floor with their arms wrapped around my feet. Everybody had a hand. Everybody was touching me, and they were praying over me. And you just can't imagine what that felt like. And then one Sunday, there was a reason I told my story in Sunday school class. And the same thing happened. We were a little older. Nobody was on the floor. But, you know, everybody had a hand on me, and everybody was praying. And I meant the world. And there was one time in... And I think it was when it was the ladies' class that was in here, something was said that really brought back a lot of pain. And you might can tell I can cry easily. Uh, I was sitting next to Patsy, and she had an arm around me, and she started praying for me. And then some other ladies came around, and they had their hands on me, and they were praying for me right in the middle of everything. You know, that gave me God's peace. And there was one Sunday that something, I don't know why, I kind of broke down, went out to the foyer, and some people came out there, some ladies came out. Again, they had their hands on me, and they were praying for me. And that was not only their love, but that was God's love, because I knew the Spirit was inside of them. They wouldn't, in other words, to pray that they prayed if they didn't have his heart. So I thank God for everyone. Sometimes I'd be sitting alone and somebody would come and sit by me or maybe just sit by me for a few minutes before they had to go someplace else, but they, it was always out of love. Maybe they'd sit by me and have an arm around me or hold my hand. Used to, I would sit with um, Wanda and Jean Hatcher during church every Sunday. And then I would sit with Patsy and Albert during Sunday school because I felt like I could just absorb their peace. I knew they had an extra measure of the spirit. I really felt kind of guilty always taking up that space. But I just needed to be bomb, and it gave me so much. And sometimes during family prayer time, Wanda would reach over and grab my hand and she and Jean would pray over me. And I was thanking God for them the whole time. As I've said before, sometimes Patsy would have an arm around me praying. And I knew Albert was praying. And he one of the first people I told about the story. Um, but I felt not only their love, but God's love. Some other practical things, sort of. Lots of times with death, there can be a lot of expenses. I thought we were in good financial shape, and I found out we were not. And then there are expenses with death. 
and I didn't have any income for a couple of months. Part of that was because he put the wrong social security number on his death certificate. I was trying to come up with an easy way to remember it, and I did. I just remembered the wrong numbers. Um, but on my Bible study groups, I was a group leader at the time, so I was in a big group with that. They knew my story, and I wasn't able, was able to go every week except the last day of share day, my favorite time of the year, but um, it had been too hard of a day the day before. And my doorbell rang, and one of the girls in there came and opened the door, and she had me this beautiful decorated box. I didn't know you could buy them. I never had one before, and she handed it to me, and she said, this is Jesus. And I opened up the box, and it was filled with money. And there were cards in there. You know, there were no names with the money. There were just cards and enough money to really help. And I really needed help. My family was very fortunate. They were able to help me. Albert asked me at the church if I needed their help financially, but but with family and friends, I was, I was blessed. Um, another thing that really, really helped is that I had lots of things wrong with my back. And so yard work can be hard. I had someone that cut the grass, but um, with other things, with parents being sick and Larry's daddy had just died and we'd been in the hospital most of seven months. So there were lots of things going on that made my back really hurt. And, um, the weeds had kind of taken over the mulch beds, and I thought I might be needing to sell my house. And nobody wanted a house that had mulch beds that looked like mine. And one day, three neighbors, one of them was a really close friend, one I knew, I knew her children, um, you know, I'd see them when I walked my dog, but not like, you know, real close. And another one I had just met a few months earlier. They showed up with buckets and spades and rakes and Roundup and Preen, I didn't even know that, what that was, and Mulch. And they spent three, the three of them spent three hours cleaning out all my mulch beds and, uh, and putting a little mulch on top of it, little pine straw on top, so that my yard looked really nice. And the next day, one of those girls that's really close to drove up and she opened up her trunk and she said, I hope these aren't dead. She had two big planters filled with gorgeous flowers for my front porch. And she said, I wanted to give them to you yesterday, but I was too tired to lift them out of the trunk. And they, they lived, and they were real healthy because God was taking care of them. Um, and shortly after Larry died, a great big tree limb fell out of a Bradford pear. They, they lose a lot of limbs. Um, I tried to move it. And I couldn't budget, you know. And then, but I, I wasn't even thinking clearly to think, or you know, I might get called somebody. There are people that do that. I just couldn't think. And uh, my little dog wanted outside, like 9 o'clock at night. I went out, and uh, there was a truck at the end of my driveway. And there were two teenagers there. And they came after dark, when I wouldn't know that they were there, and they cut up that tree branch. I mean, it was huge. It was really, really a big chunk out of the tree. And this morning, there were no leaves on the ground. There were no little twigs. They had chopped it up, and they had taken it away as though 
It never happened. I didn't even know them. I went over to them and I thanked them, but I couldn't even ask them their names. I was so moved to tears. But they were teenagers. They were in high school, and they didn't know me. And later, I had more tree branches fall out. And one morning, I was drinking a cup of coffee, my first cup, and the doorbell rang, and someone said, do you, have you already called somebody about this tree limb? And I'm thinking, uh, first cup of coffee, and I can't even remember if I knew it had fallen out. And he said, I'll be back in 30 minutes. And in 10 minutes, he was back with a chainsaw. And he cut it all up, and he also acted like you know, he loved to do that. You know, had this chainsaw and loved to use it. He'd be glad to do it. He enjoyed that. Enjoyed helping people, too. But he took it all, and, and uh, some of it he carried home for firewood. You know, like, it'd be great, I can use firewood. And the rest of it he put down the corner of the yard where the city would come and pick it up. Um, I had another tree limb fall out, and I didn't know about it. I was, I think I was walking Jack at the other end of the yard. And they had two different people stop and they said, um, do you need help with that limb? And I'm like, what limb? <laughs> I couldn't see it from where I was. And uh, they said, you've lost a big limb over there. Can I help you? And I said, well, I don't know. I hadn't seen it yet, you know? And they said, well, let me know. And I had someplace to go. And when I got home, that tree limb wasn't there anymore and I didn't even know who to thank. And I had, I had learned you could call people to help with this by this time. So I called someone that was coming later that afternoon. And when he came and I was outside with him and then he left, another neighbor who I'd never met uh, came over and he said, I hope I didn't mess you up because I, I saw you called somebody and I'd already um, cut up the limb for you. I'm <laughs> thinking... He's almost apologizing for doing such a huge favor for me, you know? And I'm thinking it's not just the church, your church family, but anywhere you are, if you see somebody that needs something, you're giving God's love. Thank you. Thank you. I could go on about nice things people have done here too, but I'll stop. Well, thank you so much panel, Elena, Joe, Connie, for opening up, being transparent. You can bring your team back up and, uh, and sharing with us. When, when we started this discussion, I wanted to take the first few minutes and address the singles, but now in closing, I wanted to say just a quick final word to the three quarters of the congregation. They're married. Just three quick closing thoughts. First of all, don't think of singleness as second best. Be aware that these preconceptions exist. Be sensitive to it. Be aware of it. And watch what you say and how you say it. And I love what Joe said. In times of difficulty and tragedy, show up and shut up. It's a great phrase. Secondly, remember that your family is the whole church. So many times our activities revolve around couples, around families, around kids. And if you're single, it gets difficult to continually go to these activities alone. 
Invite your single friends to sit with you at church or be with you in activity, whether in church or out of church. Nobody in this congregation needs to be lonely. And it's up to us to make sure that does not happen. And lastly, keep your eyes fixed on heaven. Human marriage matters, but it's not going to last forever. Ultimately, what matters is our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God bless us all, whatever station of life we're in, married or single, as long as we're Christian. That's all that matters.